Well, good morning again in the room. Good morning to you in 101, 102, and good morning to you at home in your pajamas, drinking your coffee in your living room. We're, we're, we feel sorry for you. No, um, we're, we're so glad you're with us um, and so, so excited um, and, and reminded of how good God is. Um, in a season, as Burke said, where we usually do so many things together as family and so much to be thankful for and so much celebration, and it seems as it's a little more difficult this year to truly be thankful. But we are reminded when we gather that God is good. So, I want to ask a question as we start. Has there ever been a time in your life, maybe it was an event that happened, maybe it was a season, where you thought, man, I did not see that coming? Maybe it was a diagnosis. Maybe it was the loss of someone. Maybe the loss of a job. Maybe financial strain or difficulty. And if you haven't had one of those moments, we have 2020. One of those, those seasons, one of those times where you just think, I did not see that coming. This is not at all how I pictured things playing out. Because in our mind, we have this perfect ideal situation of how things are supposed to work and how they're going to flow and how things are going to... But when we go through those times, inevitably, they lead us, I feel like, into these seasons in the wilderness. Seasons where we feel like we're in the dry and, and weary land. The, the seasons where it feels like we need God to give us strength and God to, to give us a supply of water or food just to take care of our, our needs. And it's so easy when times are good to think that God's goodness is just pouring down and showering over us. And then we go through these dry times and it starts to bring these thoughts of doubt. Anyone ever been through one of those seasons where they really kind of started to doubt? And just so you know, this is not one of those sermons where I'm going to try to make you feel guilty because you've had those doubts, because I have had those doubts. I think everyone in this room, if they're completely honest, have had those moments where you start to question and, and ask, God, where are you in this? God, why, why haven't you done things differently? And as we experience those seasons in the wilderness, in those times of difficulty, it seems like doubt flows. There's a story in Mark's gospel found in chapter 9, um, and it starts in verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. Now, just really quickly pausing, as a parent, have you ever been in one of those moments where your kids are going through an incredibly difficult time? Maybe it's a sickness or a diagnosis. Maybe it's just difficulty with school and struggles socially, um, bad choices. But, but as a parent... Isn't it true there is nothing that you would not do to get your child the help that they need? You would do anything. And so this man has this son who he believes is possessed by a spirit, and he keeps falling to the ground, having these convulsions, and this 
man thinks I've got to get him to someone who can do something about the problem. And so he takes him to the disciples, and the disciples try to cast out the Spirit, and they cannot. Going on, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people gathered and watching. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. And so this is all happening right in front of Jesus going on. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It is over, it is often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. You hear the, the plea. I think you hear the earnestness of the plea from the boy's father going on. <clears throat> if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. My guess is for many of you in this room, many of you watching on TV, that's so similar to your response. Because we go through those times in the wilderness, we go through those times of difficulty and there is this part of us that knows we need to hold on to our faith in God and what Jesus is doing in the world, that He is working all things for His good, that, that God is doing something in this world even when we can't see it. There is that part of us, but then there is this other part that struggles so bad to hold on. That, that part of us that, just like the man, God, help me with my unbelief. Because we live in this tension between the good and the bad. And we struggle to pull God to the side of good and push Satan to the side of bad and make it this simple, nice, easy divide. But this road is a lot more difficult to traverse. The divide is not quite so easy to make. Because we have this God complex where we believe we know how things are supposed to work. And doubt arises, I think, because of two reasons. Ultimately, because God did not show up, right? God did not show up the way that we thought he should. Going to the next. When we thought he should. And God did not show up how we thought he would, right? God did not show up when we thought he should. God, I've been praying. God, I've been asking for you to come. God, I've been asking for you to intervene. And I've been praying this for two days. And nothing's changed. God, I, I expected you to work in a specific way at a specific time. And then God didn't do what we thought he would. He didn't show up how we thought he would. Because we have it in our mind, here is how things are supposed to work out. 
And when everything's going good in our life, we say things like, well, God is good. Obviously, God's working. Obviously, God is doing this. Obviously, God's making all this happen. And what it creates is this tension. Because when things aren't going well, when we go through those seasons of, man, I didn't see this coming, our question then becomes, God, where are you? So I want you to do me a favor. I want to take all this doubt talk, and I want to kind of put it in a box and just set it to the side for right now, and we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. So, so we're going to leave the doubt there. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. And we're going to go on to this psalm that we're going to talk about today. And then we're going to come back. And, and a couple of things as we move. This is Psalm 121. And as we go through it the first time, it's not going to be on the screen. And in fact, I don't even want you right now to turn there in your Bibles and read it. I just want you to listen to the words. Just to hear the words of the psalmist. And there's a couple of things I want you to understand before we get into the psalm. This is a psalm of ascent. And it's a psalm that was believed to have been sung, spoken, as they were making this journey up to Jerusalem, to the temple of God, up on the Temple Mount. So, so they're journeying. They're also called pilgrim songs. And so the people of Israel, your family, as they're traveling to Jerusalem, traveling to the Temple Mount, would be singing one of these psalms. Psalms 120 through Psalm 134 are these songs of ascent, also called pilgrim psalms. But then the other thing I want you to notice is what happens in the voice of the psalmist. Because there is a transition where he moves from first person to second person in the psalm. And, and it's kind of important, I think, that that happens. So, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord will watch over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. The Lord watches over your life. The Lord watches over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. So this is such an interesting psalm. Because it's a psalm that speaks of God's goodness along the journey, as people are traveling together. And there is this transition from verse 2 to verse 3 in the voice from first person to second person. He, he begins this way, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? He asks this question, he poses a question, and then he answers it himself, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Which I think we all get. Right? We go through those difficult times. We're in this difficult journey. The road's getting more and more difficult. And we ask these questions, and we always seem to try to respond with words that affirm our faith. 
right? Because when he has these doubts that seem to arise, where does my help come from? It's like he's reminding himself of who God is. And that God is in control of all things. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. We're on this journey. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He he reminds himself of God's sovereignty, of God's power of God's work in the world and God's work in his life. See, because doubts are going to come on the journey. As you follow Jesus, I promise you, there will be times you doubt. And there will be times that you question. There will be times that you say, is this even worth it? There will be times where you ask the question, God, where are you? But the beauty of the journey that they are on, if if this is the psalm of ascent, is there are so many other people that are with them on this journey. And it may be a long and difficult road, a long and difficult journey. But there are other people on the journey by their side. And so here's why I think there's this shift. Because I think this psalm of ascent actually started as a conversation between a pilgrim and a priest. Because I, it can be a monologue, but I think it's probably more of a dialogue. I think it's this conversation, this reminder. As this pilgrim is looking up as he's on this journey, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And I think there's this wise, older, sage priest right by his side. And as he's reminding himself of the journey ahead and of God's goodness, I think the wise sage priest joins in. Because I want you to listen to how this psalm unfolds. Because he talks about God's blessing on the journey up the mountain. He says, I will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. And there's this word that's going to come up six times. Six times over the next six verses. In the Hebrew language, it's the word shamar. And shamar means to keep, watch over, or guard. Going back to verse 1 and 2. It's this word, oh, I'm sorry, two and, or three and four. There we go, that one. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you. And there is this refrain that's going to come up over and over and over and over again. It's God who watches over. It's God who keeps you. It's God who guards you on this journey. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And then this wise, sage priest, I think, joins in. And he says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So so you're on this journey, and you're climbing the mountain. 
And one of the difficulties you have to face is the terrain. And, and it's this voice of reminder that God is there positioning your foot. God is there protecting your step. He's there so that the rock does not roll. Because if you've ever climbed a mountain, if you've ever climbed up a giant mountain, right? you look at it from a distance, and it looks like this massive, solid piece of granite. But when you actually get up there, what is it that you're walking up? Millions of small boulders and rocks. And what you know if you've ever climbed the mountain is that those rocks have a tendency to roll. And your foot has a tendency to slip. And it's very easy to get injured on the way. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. It's God is not going to lose interest or forget what's going on. Do you remember Elijah when he has the showdown on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal? And he starts taunting them. Maybe your God is asleep. Maybe he's forgotten. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. That's, that's literally what I... Elijah says, maybe he has forgotten that he was going to show up. And what the psalmist is, or the priest, I believe, is reminding the pilgrim of is God is not going to lose interest. He's not going to forget what's going on. See, I have some bad news for you, and some of you may know this. There was a study done a few years ago. And they believe now, because of technology and the influx of, of so many different forms of media in our life, the average attention span of a human being is eight seconds. The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. We struggle to pay attention. Or is my, my youngest daughter, she's not, or she is in here, she's right here. I'm going to talk about you for a second, okay? But when she does something that she's not supposed to do, she'll say, Mom or Dad, I'm a fast forgetful. And, and with her eyes and her little voice, it is the cutest, I'm a fast forgetful. It's pretty sweet. And it's really hard to get mad at her. But we are. I think as people. We're fast forgetters. We, we forget how good God has been because God's not showing up right now the way we thought He would, how we thought He should, when we thought He would. We start to question and we start to wonder. But then on this journey, it's not just protecting your foot and your step going on the Lord watches over you. There's that word again. Watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. On this journey, there's the terrain that we traverse up the mountain. But then there's also the elements of nature. The sun that beats down on you. Anyone ever been sunburned before badly? It can be pretty excruciating. 
We, we went on a trip as Boy Scouts at one point when I was I don't know, probably in middle school. And we were hiking. Um, I, I don't remember actually where, but the back of my knees got sunburned. I don't think I thought to put suntan lotion. And I can tell you, hiking, there is no more painful of a place to be sunburned than the back of your knees. Because your knees bent it all, and it was excruciating. But the sun also has a tendency to dehydrate you and cause heat exhaustion. There's all kinds of problems. But then why is it the moon would be so scary? Why would you need protection from the moon? Because the moon represents darkness. And in the dark of night, there is no telling what it is that lies around the corner. There's no telling what is going to come while you're asleep and while you're resting. Because while you rest, there's the reminder that God watches over you. Because sometimes, I think the darkness of night can be far more frightening than all that you can see in the light of day. What you cannot see in the distance has a way to frighten us far more than all that's right in front of our face. It's the what if questions. What if this happens? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my husband? What if I lose my spouse? What if I lose our source of income? And those questions that fill the darkness can be terrifying. And I believe what this wise, sagely priest reminds this pilgrim of is God is there the whole time watching over you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. The Lord will keep you. He will watch over you. He will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. On our journey up to the mountain of God, but also on our journey away from the presence of God. It's this reminder during the difficult times, during the good times, that it is God who is there watching over us. But, go, go back to verse 8 for me. Or verse 7, actually. The Lord will keep you from all harm. It's that statement that gives me some problems. The Lord will keep you from all harm. So the question I want to spend just a few moments wrestling with is what happens when He doesn't? What happens when God doesn't keep you from all harm? Yesterday morning I went for a run and I was running back through our neighborhood. 
And I saw someone who prayed to God the night before that God would keep him from all harm. And here's what happened. In the middle of the night, God came and saran wrapped their car. And now they are protected from all harm. We, we pray, God, please keep us from all harm. But is there anyone that you know who loves God completely, who serves them, who has just given their heart and soul and mind and everything to Him, and yet they have gone through some difficult times? Anyone? Anyone who knows someone who is completely sold out, loves Jesus with all their heart, and has been diagnosed with a debilitating disease, or has lost a loved one, or have found themselves in a jail cell. Because that question, what happens when God does not keep you from all harm? Because some of those things we can answer pretty simply, right? Well, obviously it's your fault. You, it was your sin that put you here. It was your sin that did this. But then there are the times when it was not your fault. And Psalms like Psalm 121 are great when things are good. The Lord will keep you from all harm. The Lord will watch over your life. You're coming and going both now and forevermore. And we can say amen and hallelujah, but then we go through the difficult times. And the doubt starts to come to the forefront of our mind. God, what do we do now? Because I was so certain, and remember how it is that doubt shows up. Doubt shows up when God did not show up in our life the way that we thought he would or when we thought he should. God hasn't come through in the way that we expected. And I'll just tell you, if that is you, you're in pretty good company. It's nothing new, and there's nothing wrong that you've done that's put you in. The, maybe there's some things you've done wrong to put you in this place. But, but you're not special and different from anyone else. Early on in, in the story of Genesis, there's a guy named Abraham. And God promises him. He's going to have a child, and this child is going to be a blessing to the world. The world will be blessed through him. And Abraham left his home and his family, everything he knew, to go and follow the voice of God. And it wasn't till he was a hundred years old that God gave him a child. Just think of the journey of Abraham. God, you, you said you were going to do this. And here I am, 90 years old, and you've done nothing. Where are you? This is not how I expected things to work. This is not when I thought you would show up. And yet, somehow, God still shows up in Abraham's story. 
or Joseph, who is his father's favorite, who's sold by his brothers because they decided it's probably better just to throw him in a pit and let him die and then sell him instead of killing him. How in the world, God, where are you in this story? And yet somehow in this big mess, God not only redeems Joseph, but the people of Israel. And then if it's not bad enough, there's this transplant from Egypt or into Egypt, and these people now find themselves as slaves because of the story we look at and say, look at God's redemption. But their redemption led them into slavery. And we ask the question, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up the way that you thought I thought you should? When I thought you would, God, I, I had this in my mind. I knew how it was going to work out, and it did not There's a story of Elijah that we looked at where Elijah finds himself beside a stream basically wanting to give up on life. God, just take me. Where he's led into the desert and he thinks he's completely and utterly alone. And you have these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who have been faithful to God, and yet somehow they find themselves in a fiery furnace. And yes, you get the the joy of the other side of the story. Because in every single one of those stories, you get to stand on the other side and say, well, I know exactly how it turned out, but in the moment, you would not have. In the moment, you're filled with doubt. God, am I doing the right thing? God, am I being faithful? God, where are you right now? Because God, I need you. See, the reason I think this is a wise, sage, priestly voice in the life of a pilgrim is because it's only someone who's been through the wilderness and comes out on the other side that can look and say, listen, I know the journey looks difficult. I know the journey and the terrain are going to be hard. But I have been in the pit and I've been on the journey And I've seen the other side. And if there's anything that I've learned, it was in those moments of darkness and despair that God was watching over my life. You see, I can't promise you much more than that. But I can promise you that God is watching over you. That God is doing what He can to protect you. And sometimes it's to protect you from you. Because sometimes the greatest enemy you face is you. And it's your decisions. And it's your choices. And yet somehow, 
in spite of all of the mess-ups, God still showers His grace upon us. And it's only on the other side that we look back and we start to see God's fingerprints that cover our story. You see, I think this started out as this dialogue between a pilgrim and a priest that became a psalm that gave hope to a nation. A psalm that gave hope to a nation as they traveled to the mountain of God in a way that God would be there and that God would watch over them in good times and bad. And that the bad times you face are no indication of how God feels about you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. No, how, no matter how difficult they get, no matter how dark the night seems, God is there and He is watching over your life. See, we need reminders. I think we need reminders in seasons like we find ourselves right now. Those seasons where we didn't see it coming. Where, where this hit us out of nowhere in the way that we thought things were going to go in 2020. The way we thought things would work and how God would show up and how He should show up. And these moments come and we start to question and we start to wonder. And I think we probably start to sound a lot like the Father in Mark 9. God, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. See, I think this psalm becomes a blessing. The psalm that was a reminder for the journey also becomes a blessing over your journey. Because at the end of the day, I think our hope is just like the psalm says, God, keep us from all harm. But the part of the psalm that encourages me the most is not keep me from all harm. It's the reminder over and over again, the Lord watches over your life. Father, we thank you. We thank you for watching over us as we ascend the mountain of God. As we ascend with hope on this journey, with anticipation of encountering you. And Father, as we descend, having been changed and having been transformed by the power of your Spirit at work in our lives. We ascend with great expectation. We descend with great joy. But yet time and time again, we find ourselves in the desert. We find ourselves in those dry and weary lands, in those wilderness places. But yet, Father, it's on the other side that we're reminded time and time again of your goodness and of your faithfulness. Reminded of what you've done in our past. Reminded of what you're doing in our present. And hope filled 
of what you will do in our future. God, forgive us when we doubt and when we let fear and doubt take over. Forgive us when we lose faith and we lose our way. Call us back to you. Help us ground ourselves in you. And Father, may we ever be thankful for your goodness, for your kindness, for your love and grace and mercy. Father, you are good. Your love endures forever. Father, continue to bless us on this journey. When we don't understand, when we don't know the way, Father, watch over us. Take care of us. In Jesus' name, amen.